Greetings in the Lord Jesus. Good to be here again. If you want to turn somewhere, you could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll read a few verses from there after a while. Been a long week. Thought about that as I prepared for a sermon. I had one or two of us thinking about preaching and, and none of them seemed quite right. I decided that I would uh, come back to one that I made up a number of years ago. A brother at Minister Study Week talked about relating to, and he was talking to preachers, relating to families that have lost a loved one. And so the title this morning is Owning. As I listened to that brother, I thought, you know, these a lot of these points would be good for all of us to hear. And uh, so I took some of his on death and dying. We all face it. If we live very long, we lose loved ones, we lose friends, we say we lose them, they die. It's something that we all will do if the Lord doesn't come first. And so we could say it's a normal part of life uh, for, for now. It, originally it was not. Adam and Eve were not going to die originally, but um, it came. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. Hebrews 9.27 says, and so I always question a little of those people that claim to have died and come back again. Uh, it's appointed unto man once to die. Well, anyway, it's going to happen. It makes sense to prepare. It's a good idea to make a will. It's a good idea to have advanced directives. And you don't have to wait till you get old to do that, by the way. You can end up on life support quite young and maybe be kept alive when you would rather not be. Who knows? Somehow this thing will not stay where I put it. I'm about ready to throw it away. Okay. <clears throat> it's okay to make funeral plans. I was glad after my mom died that she had made funeral plans. When Eva's mother died recently, she had funeral plans made, and we used them. Only changed them a teeny bit. It was a good service. Of course, most important is be ready. <laughs> How do you be ready? Well, you live ready. It's not just a matter of getting ready, it's a, it's a matter of living that way. Prepare to meet thy God. The prophet said, the only way to die ready is to live ready. Keep a clear conscience. Live for the Lord. And that emphasizes that that when you reach that day, your destiny's sealed. You're not going to have a choice after you die. The Ecclesiastes writer said, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. And I think that's partly what he was talking about. The way you live, the way it falls, that's it. That's going to make the determination for eternity. 
Well, okay, for the Christian, death is a defeated enemy. But it's still an enemy. The world is still under the curse. Our bodies are still under the curse. They're getting older. And I say sometimes, yeah, you're all just sitting out there with the cells dying off by the millions right now, and you don't even know it. <clears throat> well, it's true, they are. Those of us over 40 have probably figured out by now, well, it's sort of downhill from here, by the way, uh, when it comes to the physical part, at least. The, the spiritual part ought to be the exact opposite. In fact, Christians are the... the Believers in God, those who have the Lord Jesus in them, who have become new creatures, they are the only thing in this world that is actually getting better, that is actually improving. Well, maybe their bodies aren't, by the way. They will die. <laughs> but their spirits are going the right direction. And so our bodies, I guess we could say they're not redeemed yet. And that's right, they're not. They will die. They, the curse is still on us. That will change, too, eventually. But the inward man is being renewed day by day. So, let's read a few verses in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. He's the first fruits. There's some more of us going to rise, by the way. He's the, the promise. For since... By man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. The last enemy finally destroyed, then eternal life in the eternal city, no more death, the tree of life, we call it heaven. A little later in the chapter, verse 49, we find the end of death. And we, as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all, be, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? When Jesus comes, those of us who are still alive will be changed, the dead will be raised, new bodies, resurrected bodies, redeemed bodies. And so we don't fear death when we know the Lord. Oh, it's true, there is a natural fear of death, of impending death, and that's not all wrong. That, that keeps us alive sometimes. You know how it is if you're in an accident or a very 
close to an accident, your heart starts beating faster and you, you maybe need some reactions to avoid it and all that. That's normal, natural, and it's okay to have been fearful at that point. That's not what we're talking about. We don't have a terror of dying because we know that it's going to be with the Lord. Philippians chapter 1, Paul talked about it. I'll read a few verses there. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And so you, you have Paul having this little conversation with himself. Uh, to, to die and to go be with Christ, that would be better. And yet it seems like I'm needed here. And so it looks like I'll stay a while, as if he had a choice. He seemed to realize he would be there a while. A number of years ago, Brother David Equal at uh, Raleigh Springs was in the hospital and had his test done, and the doctor came back and told him that he was going to die. And apparently the doctor was, had a little difficult time of it, and I remember David kind of chuckling and saying, that doctor thought he was bringing me bad news. Well, yeah, death is coming. Why shouldn't it be good news <laughs> that the time has come? A little later on, Paul wrote, I am ready to be offered. I have fought a good fight. I'm ready to go. Jesus told the thief, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. To die is gain. Jesus told Mary, Martha, one of them, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And I wonder sometimes, I don't know what it will be like to die. You read the books and uh, <clears throat> they describe it different ways. Sometimes it's just slipping out. Maybe it's tearing out where the, the physical and the spiritual has to be separated and there's some pain involved. I don't know. Never done it before. It ought to be interesting when it happens. It's an experience that I'm not dreading necessarily. Just will be, it will be real. And occasionally I do have to remind myself, I'm not living for this world. I'm living for another world. Because sometimes this one just gets pretty real. But a change is coming to all of us. All right. I'm going to look at several different things here. When someone close to you dies and how we can help others when there's a time of death. So when someone close to you, you dies, let's look at Jesus' example. Well, okay. Matthew 14. Sorry. Yeah, Matthew 14. It was right after John the Baptist died. 
So when someone close to you dies, follow Jesus' example. We'll look at a number of them here. In Matthew 14, pray. So Matthew 14, 12, and his disciples came to John the Baptist and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Verse 13, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And of course the people followed him. But a little later down in the chapter, verse 23, you find him going ahead and doing probably what he went to start to do anyway. Verse 23, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. So yes, someone close to you dies, pray. Job fell down on the ground and worshiped after he got that last bit of news about his family. In Gethsemane, little different situation, his own death coming, he prayed with others close by. And maybe while we're here in this passage, this is another good thing to do when someone close to you dies. Uh, resume normal activities soon. Maybe you can't do it right away, but notice in verse 14, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. He took, he didn't focus on his sorrow over John the Baptist. He got the bit, he got the work and helped others. We can do that too. When someone close to you dies, grieve. We all know the shortest verse in the Bible, or I suppose we do, Jesus wept, John 11:35. There's nothing wrong with crying. Someone asked the question, does faith dry all tears? Well, no, <laughs> tears are part of it. And there's pain when someone goes. Next, share your grief with others. Again, think about Jesus in Gethsemane. It wasn't a death in this case, but he was very definitely facing grief and, and stress. He asked others to pray with him, to pray for him. If you want to talk to someone about the person who's died, go ahead, talk to them. Find someone you know and, and feel free to do it. When we've lost a loved one, they're on our minds and it's easy to talk about them and it, that's okay. Others have gone through it too. They can sympathize. They can help bear your burden simply by listening and being there. But they can only help. The only way through is through. Accept the help of others. It's not a time to go alone. Others want to help. Let them help. And your turn will come when you can help others, by the way. That's part of the human condition, too. Remember, grief is transitory. It is normal, but it's only transitory. And we could go to Ecclesiastes 3, where it says there's a time to weep and there's a time to rejoice. There's a time for this and a time for that and all of that. There is a time to weep. There's a time to grieve. But there's, it will pass. Jacob, Jacob uh, tended toward gloominess, I think, the old patriarch. 
And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And I suspect he overdid it. It lasted too long. And later in life, when Pharaoh talked to him about his life, he said, Few and evil have the days of my life been. It, it just strikes me as a little bit... <coughs> little bit like me sometimes and looking at the dark side okay <laughs> instead of the, the brighter side second Samuel 12 David took a practical view this was uh, after his sin with Bathsheba the child was born prophet told him the child's going to die and David fasted and prayed until his his men thought he was overdoing it and then the child died and they were off to the side whispering and afraid to tell him and, and he heard them and figured it out. And he got up and washed his face and put on clean clothes and went out and ate. And they said, what in the world? He said, well, while the child was alive, I, there was still hope. Now there's not. He can't come to me, but maybe I can go to him. And sometimes we allow grief to uh, hinder our usefulness, say it that way maybe. Just forcing ourselves to continue to grieve won't help anything. It's natural for it to pass in time and we, we don't want to spend the rest of our lives grieving. It's not a matter of if, if I don't remember him today and grieve for him, I'm, I'm tarnishing his memory or something. My wife wouldn't want me to act like that if she went first, and I wouldn't want her to act that way either. So. But the devil would just be happy to ruin your usefulness that way. And so, accept the reality of death. This is it. They are going. We go forward. Don't always know where we're going, but never know where we're going, actually. There is no such thing as foreseeable future, by the way, <laughs> though we do talk about it. Don't make major decisions too quickly. After you've lost a loved one, give yourself some time to return to normal, the new normal, whatever that is, from the grief. And during that time of grief, you may not be able to think quite as well as you should be able to. And, so feel free to get advice and, and that kind of thing from family members and, and the help that you need. But don't hurry to make major decisions. Trust God. Just determine now that God is God and knows what he's doing. He's sovereign. He has a good purpose for whatever he allows in your life, even when someone is taken at a time that seems totally wrong to us. He has a plan. It's a good one. Things don't just happen in our lives when we are his. He's in control and has a good purpose in mind. John chapter 11. You have the story of Lazarus. Verses 14 and 15. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, this was to the disciples before they went, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, 
to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. There was a purpose in it. And yes, the different kinds of passing we look at differently. If it's a Christian and he's ready, it seems easier to cope with. For them, death is not the worst thing that could happen. A non-believer seems more hopeless. What is, if they died unsaved, it is hopeless for them. We need to recognize that that a merciful God gave them plenty of opportunities and if they died in sin, it was their choice. We couldn't choose for them. We can help others come to the truth yet. And it all spurred us on to do that. I remember the, the night my dad died. I think I got the call about 3 o'clock in the morning. And... Uh, I don't really hold any hope for him at all. And uh, I think I tried to go back to bed and decided that wouldn't work. I got up outside to uh, be out of range of my wife's hearing and went out on the swing, which happened to be up in the yard, the porch swing, and sat out there and cried a while. Just was that way to think about him going and not ready. But I know, I know he had plenty of opportunities. He'd heard the gospel many times in one way or another. All right. Worship. Let's look at Job in chapter 1 of Job real quickly. When someone near to you dies, don't forget to worship. So here at the end of the chapter, verse 18, And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshipped, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Submit to God. Go to him. Admit your sorrow. Admit your questions. Tell him you don't understand. But then commit it to him. And, and be like Job and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Worship. All right, here's a few odds and ends stuck in the middle before I go to the next part. Let the pastor know right away. Let your pastor know. Sometimes we tend to forget him. At least I've noticed that in some cases over the years. He can help. He wants to serve. He'll come and give you support and help you through the various aspects. That can be especially helpful if it's kind of new to you and you haven't done this before or the family doesn't know how. But he wants to be there and needs to be part of it. And, uh, yeah, I remember 
one congregation I served in once upon a time where it seemed like the pastor was uh, <clears throat> one of the later ones to find such things out. And it kind of hinders things. I know with my mom, she was in another church. I was glad for the pastors there at Morning View and their help because she was there, it was their service and all of that. And I didn't really have to plan it other than to give them the plans she had made. Um, you get odd situations. So Mildred Pinto died several years ago. She was a single. No, she wasn't single. She was a married lady in Puerto Rico for 40 years. And then she moved back to Pennsylvania, had no close family. She had a niece, and she died. And she wanted me to preach. She had told me that, and she told her family. And the niece called me, and okay, so I was ready to do that. And then it didn't it didn't strike me till a little bit later that you know what this lady doesn't know how to plan a funeral. <laughs> And I ended up planning a funeral in Pennsylvania involving people from Virginia and various other places that I didn't know the church, didn't hardly know anything about what was going on up there. So, but that's what pastors are for, <laughs> take care of those kind of problems. Sometimes it's a, an un, more or less unchurched family member. There again, they may need your pastor to help. Uh, they pretty often maybe just don't really know what they're doing and need somebody to kind of guide them through it with the help of the funeral directors. Okay, so let the people know, let the funeral people, the funeral home know you don't want a lavish display of flowers, usually a notice. Still we use the newspaper some here, don't we? In the paper or on the... Uh, Obituary online can say, in lieu of flowers, make donations somewhere. Southeastern has a paper on funerals. Uh, got some helpful things in it. <clears throat> One question that I didn't have in this sermon originally that I'll just mention, people ask, well, is cremation okay? And I can't go through the scripture and say, no, it's wrong. I can say that the cremation is a practice, has been a practice of pagan societies. And uh, that makes me question it some, whether I don't like the idea, let's just put it that way. We believe in treating the body with respect. We believe it's going to rise again, uh, even if it's burnt, by the way. So, And I thought a little bit about John Wycliffe, the... Uh, English reformer before the Reformation, died as a good Catholic and was buried in a Catholic graveyard and a number of years later the church decided he was a heretic after all. So what did they do? They dug him up and burned his body, his bones, and threw it in the river. So I don't know, somehow the whole burning thing just doesn't have a good feel for me. Though, again, the scripture doesn't speak so plainly to it that I could say it's wrong. All right, how we can help others in a time of death. Be available. Be available to help. Provide transportation, babysitting, just whatever might be needed. And it's 
been amazing to me over the years. I remember as a child, someone died, and I'm not sure who anymore, but I remember the neighbors showing up, brought us food, and they offered to help. They were ready to drop whatever they were doing and just jump in and, and do something. It made an impression. And yes, we should be that way. It took time to, to set aside whatever you might need to do and help someone else. Be available. Well, there in John 11, Jesus came and was there. Well, a little late, we would say, but he had a good reason. And I will probably turn back to John 11 again, by the way, so maybe I'll go there now. Not sure. Sometimes there's a financial need and you know about it. Well, chip in and help. Tell the deacon, whatever. Be available as the weeks go by. The the grieving doesn't end after the funeral, we know that. And neither do the needs, they may continue. Keep your eyes open, your ears open, and be ready to, to step in and help if you need to. Call them up, see how it's going, especially if these are friends of yours and you know them well. Give encouragement, don't assume the family will do it all. So do your part, be a brother, be a sister. Listen sympathetically. So here in chapter 11, you find Jesus doing that. Verse 32, then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Some will want to talk. Others may not, that's okay, either way is fine. This, the one who's died is, is on their mind and, and many people who are grieving don't mind talking and would be ready to talk about him. So encourage them and listen, cry with them. Weep, Jesus wept. Uh, Donald Blank used to tell the story about the, the little girl that went to the neighbors. I think the, the neighbor family had lost a little girl and after a while she came back and her mama said, well, what did you do? And she said, well, I just crawled up on her lap and cried with her. And sometimes that's all that's needed. That's, sometimes that's the best thing you can do. Talk about the deceased, remembrances, appreciation. It's the thing that's most on their mind. Many appreciate hearing what you appreciated about their loved one. Yes, I know everyone's different and not every, so anyway, not everything I say applies to everybody. That's just the way it is, but in general. Be selective in what you say in your comments. You can say, I know just how you feel, or it's all for the best. And those might be more or less true, but they may not be the best things to say. Sometimes just saying nothing is just as good. Pray with them. Pray for them. Be available as a, a sounding board for some. They may need some advice, need to make decisions, and if they need someone and you're the right person, well, be there. Don't forget them. Again, as time goes by, 
don't forget to invite the widows or the widowers to Sunday lunch and include them and that kind of thing. Be aware that grief goes through stages. It takes time. Here's one outline. Uh, first is crisis, and that's maybe to the end of the funeral where everybody's kind of in crisis mode and you're dealing with what needs to be dealt with right then. And the second is crucible or suffering. And whoever put this together suggested that might last three months or so where the, where the grieving is extra heavy. And the third one is construction. Putting life back together again, new patterns of living might last a year or so. But there's no rule for that. Just know that, that grief is not something that uh, happens in one week and then it's done. It goes on, it takes time. And so, as time goes on, remember them. A card or a flower on the one-year death anniversary or, or on the spouse's or their anniversary or, or the spouse's birthday or, or remembering to them that you remember that person can be a blessing. It shows that you care about them. Don't forget the children. In the death of a close family member, that's difficult for them. Take time to speak to them. They need attention too. Recognize that they may not know how to deal with it. That's just part of it. One of my memories as a, a young fella was going to the funeral of my cousins out in Mount Eaton, Ohio. A drunk driver rear-ended them in the middle of town and both of them died. And I don't remember much about it except being <laughs> in the funeral home that night and somehow or other everybody who came through the line came to me too. And uh, well, it made an impression, uh, not a real good one, but just seemed like I had to answer a lot of questions for a little boy and I was pretty small yet. And yet, I'm not sure it was bad for me. Don't forget the children. Don't hide your own children from death, the reality of it. Explain to them what happened. So-and-so's not really there anymore. That's just the shell. The real person is going on to be with God. And take them to the viewing. Let them view the body. Nothing wrong with that. It's not going to harm them for life. In fact, it may help them. So don't forget the children, but, and don't hide children from the reality of death. Uh, a couple other miscellaneous things. Miscarriages. Remember that those are, are they're deaths too. It's just that the child hasn't got here yet. And all the hopes and the plans, especially if it's fairly far along, far along at all, those parents uh, are suffering, they're, they're grieving also, and, and it's a time to show sympathy to them. Their plans are going. Ordinarily, there's no funeral. There's not the usual things of closure. Suicides stress the comfort that comes from God. 
don't philosophize, don't talk a lot, what is there you can say? But be there to listen, to help. Don't pry about the details. And in the months that follow, be careful about what you say, things that might actually hurt that you and recognize that the grief process could take longer. And I'm sure there's lots of other things that could be said. But anyway, death is normal for now. It is inevitable, unless the Lord comes first. So prepare for it, be ready. Discuss it with your spouse. Yeah, we're in our 60s now and we've talked about it. We've We've got our advanced directives. Um, we don't have our funeral plans made. But anyway, talk about it. It's going to come. You might as well know that and uh, not treat it like some morbid subject to avoid totally. Death is normal, but it's dramatic for loved ones who are left. And so when a loved one dies, go to the Lord for everything that you need. and. Through the brotherhood, he'll give you some that way too. Thank God for brothers and sisters and neighbors who help. Recognize that grief is normal. It's okay and it will pass. Trust God. Death is normal. We'll all have the opportunity to relate to people who lost loved ones. We'll probably all experience it. Losing loved ones ourselves. Let's do our best to help each other, to support, to show love, to help each other through it victoriously. Let's have a song.